Well, hey, Sats here. I hope you're doing very well and welcome to C3 Reflect. If you're brand new, checking us out uh, on YouTube right now, let me just encourage you, hit subscribe and it will just mean that we can continue to hang out and uh, keep dishing up some helpful content um, your way. Uh, so that'd be awesome. Really appreciate uh, all of your time and uh, really want to honor that with just some great uh, content that's going to help you. So uh, make sure you do that. And uh, if you've been around for a few weeks or even a few months or even a few years, uh, kind of just lurking around in the shadows thinking, uh, you know, I'm kind of enjoying this content, but I don't want to say that I'm here. Well, let me just encourage you. I really believe that uh, being a Christian and uh, the whole Christian experience and uh, understanding who God is and so on and learning and growing is supposed to be done in community. It's actually part of God's design. And so one of the most amazing things you can do is just put up your hand and say, I'm here <laughs> and uh, I don't know what the next step is, but I'd just like to uh, get connected in and you're going to find in the context of that community and connection, we're actually going to grow as uh, people. So if you want to do that, you can go to our website, c3reflect.church slash connect, and you can just put your details um, in there. So, hey, we are in this nine week series called Influences, and we are in week seven right now. And we're going to be sharing our message in just a, a few moments, but just a little uh, intro to what we're trying to do here. This is so much more than just a preaching series or an idea. This is actually a big part of our vision of who we are as a church. And uh, we wanted to really give time and proper emphasis that we could talk through uh, all of these things. We've got three parts of our vision. Uh, firstly, that you'd connect into community. Um, we already talked about that a little bit, but I really do think that you know it's impossible to be a healthy human being outside a community. Uh, look at all the uh, crazy serial killers and stuff. They all live on their own. <laughs> and uh, I just think we, we've got to be deliberate about actually um, you know, not being too isolated and individualistic and actually, um, you know, involving other people in our lives. And there's so much to learn from one another. And uh, we're supposed to, uh, you know, live out God's design in community. And uh, secondly, um, you know, we want to help people be transformed into the image of God, the image of Christ. And, uh, you know, the Christian life, we've been uh, sharing the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And so, uh, you know, we put to death the old things and the sinful self and we come up alive, resurrected, redeemed, forgiven, all of the goodness of God. And from that point, we're now, uh, the rest of our life is catching up. And so a point of transformation and righteousness happens spiritually, but then it, it begins to be worked out in the mind. We renew our thinking and it begins to flow into the way that we live and our bodies and our, and our relationships and physically, practically tangible, um, all of this stuff. And so, you know, we, we're going to expect that transformation is, is the journey that we're all on. And we're imperfectly being transformed because transformation implies progression, it implies change. And, and you can only keep changing if, if you're not always where you need to be. And so I know for every single one of us, we are traveling imperfectly towards the perfect image of Christ. And that's such an important part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If you're not changing, if you're not growing, there is something wrong. So we want to see that in your life. And thirdly, to influence the world. And, uh, you know, influence is this byproduct, it's this fruit of a life that is being transformed. We get healthy, we get strong, we become like more like Jesus every single day. And then the natural output of that is influence. Uh, people notice, people are affected by the way you live your life. Everything you do uh, flows out of who you are. And so as you change and as you transform, uh, you're going to find that there is a natural overflow um, into the lives of those uh, around you. And this is really what this series is built around is these three ideas broken down into three more. And uh, we wanted to share these nine elements of influence with you. And I believe if we can um, uh, look towards these things, and I, I think sometimes, you know, it is helpful to have a bit of a marker. 
you know, how am I doing? Uh, what's the direction I should be going in? And so we've created this, um, not just as our vision or as our values, not just as a preaching series, but also as a discipleship framework. Now, what does that mean? Uh, that means if you are resonating with these nine values and you think this is, this is a good capturing of what it means to follow Jesus and uh, figuring that, that out in 2023, you can actually join our Influencers Discipleship Program. Uh, we meet every single month um, in each location to pray together and share and go a little bit deeper. And, and Jesus had the 72, didn't he? The 72 disciples and then he had the 12. And uh, I think, you know, God is both exclusive and inclusive in the sense that he invites everyone to experience and to know him, but also we have to choose for ourselves. And so not everybody who said to Jesus, yeah, I wanna be a follower actually was a follower. And so there's kind of like a dividing point. And that's exactly what we're trying to create here, that you get an opportunity to opt in and others get an opportunity to opt out by indifference. And that's okay, because we're not here to tell you what to do. Uh, we're just here to present an opportunity to grow together. And in that environment, uh, it's, it's awesome. We meet every single month. And uh, the second thing that happens in the, the context of influencers um, is that you also get a seat at the table. Uh, you actually become someone who we were like, tell us what you think, because we understand that you're, you're seeing the world uh, from the same place and we're trying to grow together and we've got the same vision. And thirdly, you're just putting up your hand to say, um, hey, disciple me. <laughs> I, wanna, I wanna grow, I wanna change. You got permission to challenge, you got permission to address and correct. And that's a powerful statement in your life when you become uh, an influencer. So you can find all the details on the website and jump on board at the end um, of the series. We'd love to have you on board. Uh, so uh, we're in week seven right now and uh, the, the, the seventh element of influence that we're talking about today is innovation. So the seventh element of influence is innovation. And uh, this is such an exciting one for me because I think sometimes, um, you know, we've got so many questions about what does it mean to be a Christian? And what should we actually do in our everyday life? And, uh, you know, let's be honest, everybody's got a bias. And uh, pastors have got a bias. The reason pastors are pastoring is because uh, they love the church and they love pastoring. And so it's easy for the way that we communicate even to have a bias towards an emphasis on the church. But I really believe something that we need to be aware of is that, you know, uh, yes, God loves the church, but he's also king of the earth. He, he's the creator of everything. And so God's vision for your life is not just about a prayer meeting. It's not just about a service to attend. It's not just about, like heaven is not just gonna be one big prayer meeting. It's, it's gonna be a lot more happening. It's gonna be a lot richer and it's gonna be a lot more uh, nuanced and there's gonna be a lot more there because God's intention has always been so much more than just building the church. It's actually uh, something really cool. And I wanna share it with you um, in Genesis chapter eight, verse 20. We're gonna read a good chunk of scripture now, so get ready. Um, but just to give you some context, um, the flood, Noah's Ark, all of that jazz has just happened. And uh, there's some pretty wild theological stuff in there. We, we maybe don't have time to talk about properly today, but um, I wanna just maybe put the idea to you that you, know, um, uh, you have to deal with evil. It, it wants to take over, and that's what sin wants to do. It, it's crouching at the door, he wants to uh, take over the world. And the enemy of this world, the devil, is, is just about self-destruction. And uh, he doesn't mind if everything goes down uh, because he's going down anyway. And so, uh, you know, you have to deal with evil. And this is what happened at this time of the world. That there was so much evil. Think of every atrocity that you can imagine. And everyone was just doing what was right in their own eyes and they were wicked. <laughs> and it was just crazy evil. And we, 
We, we see evil in our world and even in today's culture, which is in one sense quite sanitized compared to the ancient world that was full of such atrocity. Uh, and so God had to deal with the issue of evil and he did it with the flood. And uh, by the way, there was a very long period of time um, from when God asked Noah to build the ark and when the flood actually came. So anyway, as I said, it's going a bit beyond where we're going in this message, but I want to read it to you uh, right now. Genesis chapter eight, verse 20 says, um, then Noah built an altar to the Lord and took some of every clean animal, some of every clean bird and offered burnt offerings on the altar. This is after the flood. So they just arrived, they're like, whew, finally made it through. And when the Lord smelt the pleasing aroma, the Lord said in his heart, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So that's quite encouraging. It's like, cool. It's good to know. Thanks, God. Keep us posted. Uh, we're getting into chapter nine. And God blessed Noah and his sons. I love this. The first thing that God does is to bless them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. The fear of you and the dread of you shall be upon every beast of the earth and upon every bird of the heavens, upon everything that creeps on the ground and all the fish of the sea into your hand, they are delivered. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. And as I gave you the green plants, I give you everything. But you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is, its blood. And for your lifeblood, I will require a reckoning. From every beast, I will require it. And from man, from his fellow man, I will require a reckoning for the life of man. Verse 6, whoever sheds the blood of man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So just some really interesting stuff here that, that we should be aware of is, is that God right here is setting some rules and some laws around justice and he's placing a value on human life. He's saying, you are sacred. Your life is sacred. And let's not just forget about that. Right, verse 7, and you be fruitful and multiply, increase greatly on the earth. And multiply in it. Then God said to Noah and to his sons with him, Behold, I establish my covenant with you and your offspring after you, and with every living creature that is with you, the birds, the livestock, and every beast of the earth with you, as many as came out of the ark, it is for every beast of the earth. I establish my covenant with you, that never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood, and never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, This is the sign of the covenant that I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for all future generations. I've set my bow in the cloud and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and the earth. When I bring clouds over the earth and the bow is seen in the clouds, I will remember my covenant that is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. And the water shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. When the bow is in the clouds, I shall see it and remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is on the earth. God said to Noah, this is the sign of the covenant that I have established between between me and all flesh that is on the earth. Okay, this is really cool because God is making a covenant right here. And the reason I bring this up is because it says that he's making a covenant with Noah and his sons and everyone after. And so following that, we are included in God's covenant that he's making a covenant to you and I. And he's also blessing Noah. He's also blessing us. He says, I'm going to bless you. You're made in my image. I put my blessing upon you. And now I want you to go and I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. Now, we sometimes hear a very sort of specific side of this teaching, which is worth noting, but I'm not going to major on in this message. And when we, when we go to multiply, well, of course, there was a reproductive element of that. Go and fill the earth. Uh, go and have children. God loves children. Children are great. They're awesome. 
And uh, you know, it's interesting, even in today's age, there is a lot of fear and worry about having children around overpopulation. Uh, but if we actually look at the statistics, what will happen in 20, 30, 40, 50 years when my sort of generation is old is the next generation is gonna be very burdened. They're gonna really struggle because uh, the, the birth rate is actually declining um, in the West. And so maybe it's not gonna be as we think it's gonna be. I do believe that having children is a wonderful thing and God is clearly um, into that. He says, hey, go and, be, go and uh, multiply. Uh, but we're also gonna note as well that you know, not everybody is gonna be married, not everybody is gonna have children or be able to have children. And, and that's okay as well. And so we see even in the person of Jesus who never married, uh, never had children, we see people like Paul. And so we're gonna understand that there is, there's value on both singleness and value both on marriage and family and, and placing value on those two things don't have to compete. But clearly we see part of God's instruction for humanity at large and society at large is that it's, it's good. Family is good. It's the building block of society. And so um, what we see in Jesus is Jesus may have had physical um, you know, offspring, but spiritually he raised up people. And so every single one of us can do that regardless of our family environments that we can invest in the next generation. We can make disciples, uh, spiritual rep reproducing the qualities and the, the best things that are on the inside of you, teaching them to the next generation, being a, a part of contributing to this world. And so that's the, the multiplying side of it. And I think it's interesting because we normally just lump that, that phrase together, be fruitful and multiply. Like to be fruitful is to do those things. And I wanna just separate the idea for a moment. Now that we've dealt with the idea of multiplying, which is a cool idea, we come to this idea of being fruitful. What does it mean for you and I to be fruitful? To produce something of value for other people. Here's the really interesting thing about fruit is fruit is actually not for the tree that produces it. In fact, it's the exact opposite. When a tree produces fruit, the fruit falls from that tree. There's an apple tree, the apples fall from the tree and it's actually for everything else. It's actually just for our world. You may not know who gets to enjoy that fruit, but the tree has produced something. And the moment that the tree stops contributing to everything else around it is the moment that, that tree is actually dying. It's in an unhealthy place and it cannot produce fruit. And God's command to us, he blesses us and he says, I want you to be fruitful. And it's just so funny to me that so often we translate that in our mind as we should come to church or we should pray more. And these are all good things that you should probably do, but fruitfulness is so much bigger than just the idea of spiritual practices once a week or even regularly. God's purpose for your life is not to go and, 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 and leave and join a monastery and be in the middle of nowhere and just spend time in constant communion with God. No, God's command and where he blesses you in your life is that you would go and be fruitful. Go and create something. Go and produce something of value for the people around you. Be a part of adding something to the culture, adding something to this world. We need to understand that God is into civilization. God is not anti-civilization. There is a move against civilization in our world right now. And uh, it does make me chuckle because I think, I think what, what people often want to do is they want to get rid of the sort of big buildings and, the, and, and all, all the sort of, I don't know, uh, the, the industrial side of it. And, and of course, civilization, we need to learn how to be sustainable and, uh, you know, be wise in how we build things and what we create so that things last and that we take care of the planet. I mean, that seems pretty basic, uh, a good idea to me and uh, sometimes more difficult to outwork. But, but, you know, the idea of going backwards, 
The idea of like no toilets, the idea of like just disease being rampant because we didn't know about soap. Like just the, the idea of like what society used to look like where at any point someone from a neighboring village can come and just take all your stuff. I mean, the, the, without the police and without fire service. Like, no, 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 God is pro-civilization. And what you actually find is pretty much everybody is as well. Just we glamorize, don't we? We, we idolize the quaint and the old and the rustic. And that's until you realize that there was no central heating. And, uh, you know, we're right here in a, in a warehouse type uh, space and when I first moved into this 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 space our, our studio space as a church it was like really cold and I was like oh man it looks so cool but now it's cold and I think this is what we're like sometimes there's a move in our society against civilization but we need to understand right now that God is into creating great stuff God is into amazing architecture. God is into incredible products. God is into great services. God is into great food. God is into great experiences because this is all the product of fruitfulness. And somehow the church has forgotten that so much of civilization came out of the church. University came out of Christians. The church, Oxford, Cambridge, Yale, and Harvard were all started as places to share the gospel, to be an education center, not just for the gospel like, uh, you know, come and be saved by Jesus, but for the gospel outworked in fruitfulness, in philosophy, in science, and medicine, and all sorts of different fields that flowed out. And somehow we have forgotten what built this world. It was a command from God to be fruitful, go and create. And I just want to place value on you right now. Probably in your context, most of us are, are, are not going to work inside the church. Um, you know, when we think back to the, the Old Testament, there was one tribe out of 12, the Levites, who were working in the house of God. And I think, you know, we're all priests of God now and that's awesome and it's great that we can all contribute and things like that. But most of us, the vast majority of people who follow Jesus, their productivity and their fruitfulness is actually seen outside of the walls of the church. And I want to just place value on what you do. I want to place value on your workplace. I want you to understand that when you work and when you create something of value and when you iterate and when you, and when you help things move forward and when you create things that are great for the clients and when you create things that are great for your customers and whatever part you play that may seem so small, a cog in a big machine, I want you to know that you are actually contributing something of value and that God's intention of your life is that you would be fruitful. And that's why, you know, when we talk about this, 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 this value of innovation, we need to understand we're also talking about creativity. And, and creativity, not just in creating things that are functional, but also creating things that are beautiful. Now check this out, because this is wild. This blew me away. God, God makes this incredible promise. He says, I'm going to bless you. You guys are going to be awesome. Go be fruitful. Go make great stuff. Go create technology. Go try crazy things. Go try and get into space. He's like, go. Go innovate. Go be creative. Go break all the boundaries. Go and explore this wonderful world that I've created. And, and then he says this, I'm making a promise to you that, that there's no more floods. There's no more destruction. We've, we've, we've dealt with one layer of evil that had to be dealt with in that generation. And now this is a fresh start. And I'm making a promise to you. I'm making a covenant to you. I'm committing to you that my blessing is going to be with you. And he, this is what he says. He says, I'm going to give you a sign. This is my sign. Now, what's the sign? It's a rainbow. And the rainbow appears in the sky. And, and, and here's the incredible thing about rainbows is that rainbows are completely functionally useless. They don't do anything. <laughs> it's, it doesn't do anything. But you and I know that when you see a rainbow, 
It is the most beautiful moment. And there are a whole iteration of double rainbows and all sorts of different uh, things you can see in different parts of the world. And, and, and these things are not just functional. They're not functional at all. They're just beautiful. An expression of the creative artistry of God. See, God is an artist. God is a creator. God is someone who, who loves to demonstrate his glory and his expression and his heart. You know, I, for a long time for me on Instagram, I was just posting pictures of the sky because I love the sky. It's just whatever day it is, whatever, it, it's always different. It's a blank canvas. It's a canvas for the artistry and the creative expression of God. And when we look up, the Bible says in Romans that creation speaks of God. When God created the sun, he didn't just create something that would, you know, scientifically perfectly create the right conditions for life and warmth and all of that sort of thing. It's like, great. He also created something that is so beautiful. Have you seen a sunset? And sometimes, sometimes you're just like, this is, this is so beautiful. This is so amazing. Why? Because fruitfulness for God is not just about function, it's also about beauty. But it's not just about beauty, it's also about function. And God wants us to fill the earth, not with just stuff that is functional, but stuff that is beautiful. And not with just stuff that is just pure beautiful and just pure expression, but also that is useful, fruitful, productive, human beings. God wants us to value innovation in our world. And I want to encourage you. And maybe there's some entrepreneurs listening right now. Maybe you've got an idea. Maybe you've got a, a side hustle. Can I just encourage you? These are godly ideas. The idea to create things, the reason we get vision, the reason we get dreams is because it's part of God's design. It's not just random. There's a desire in you to create. And for many others of us, all of us, in fact, we're not just supposed to create. We're also supposed to collaborate. Maybe we're not going to be the originator of an idea, but we can contribute. We can work with people and we can build something beautiful in our world. We want to be people who innovate. And, uh, you know, we can, we, 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 to, to create something beautiful, we need to understand this, that to innovate really requires a, a, a culture where we're okay with failure. And, uh, I mean, it's pretty interesting if you think about it. God created human beings. I mean, some could argue that was a bit of a failure. <laughs> There's, there's some issues in our world. And, 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 and yet God seems to be okay with the mess, the chaos. God seems to be okay with this idea of not everything perfectly because God is an artist. God is a storyteller, which is why you find that the greatest story that has ever been written is the story of God himself dealing the creation creating human beings, a salvation, saving them, sending his son Jesus to, to rescue humanity, redemption, and finally, the future of heaven. That we're going to experience the goodness and the beauty of God. It's a beautiful story. And you will find that most Hollywood films have this exact same story arc. Why? Because it's the meta story in our world. Everything points back to the artistry of God himself. Friends, imagine what sort of world we can create that is full of innovation. But it does require an acceptance that not everything is going to work. And I want to just encourage us right now, as I sense maybe there's some people, and over these last few years, you've stepped out, and you've tried something, and it didn't work. You tried to start a business, and it didn't work. You, you, you tried to start a family, and it didn't work. You, 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 you looked over here, and you, you tried to fill the earth. You tried to be obedient to God, but, but it, it, didn't, it didn't come through. And I just want to encourage you. Because I want you to know right now that the blessing of God is upon you. Because, because, because what we create is not just about what succeeds. It's also about the process. 
because God is actually shaping you into his image. You are becoming a creative person. Everyone's created in their own way. It may not all be um, videographers and artists, but everybody creates something because that's what you bring to the world. If you don't create anything, you don't really bring anything. And, and that's the value that we create. And there's a whole thing around money as, as a symbol of that value in this world. We create stuff. And I want to encourage you. Hey, come on, let's, let's make a decision. We're not just going to be people who just exist. We just work from paycheck to paycheck. We're not just going to be people who just, I'm just going to rock up in church and then get back. to my, I know, I want wherever you are, I want you to bring creative excellence in your world. Wherever you are, I want you to bring blessing. Wherever you are, I want you to bring innovation. Wherever you are, I want you to make things better. This is what a Christian should do. Wherever they are, things get better. Wherever your workplace is right now, whatever the culture of your workplace is right now, it's, it's supposed to change because you're there. The reason you are there is because you're there to shape the culture. You're there to elevate people's minds. You're there to help direct and steer the presence and the future of God, the goodness of God to, to arrive. Whatever's happening in your family right now, I want you to know that you've got a responsibility, a duty to bring something of God into that space, to bring love and to bring hope. And as we innovate, we're going to see the presence of God descend. And this is the incredible thing about artistry and creative expression is that there's nothing that speaks uh, more of God than creative expression. And, and, and sometimes, you know, the truth is not enough. People hear the truth and I, I don't know if I want that. I don't know if I want to believe that. Uh, sometimes, you know, uh, it, it's not enough. But, but the beauty, the power of beauty to open people's hearts to how, who, who God is and where he is. I, I think for me, that's the biggest evidence of God. God as a personal God, an artist God, the beauty in this world. He didn't have to create all the planets, but they're still going on out there. We can't even reach them all, but they're all there, balls of earth and molten lava and fire and all sorts of chemicals, the wonder of God's creation. Hey, thanks so much for joining today. I pray that God will bless you, cause you to become a more creative person as we value this element of influence. Have a great week and we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening today. I hope this has been helpful and encouraging. I'm also wondering if there's someone in your world who might benefit from hearing this message. So please do share it with them. Help us get the word out there. And of course, you can connect with us on social media, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and so on. Just look for C3 Reflect. For anything else, go to our website, c3reflect.church. Do hit subscribe, rate and review. Thanks so much. We appreciate you guys. Have a great day.